So, how many of you like grew up Christian, somewhat Christian? Some of you, some of you grew up Christian in the church. Okay, how many, pull up your phone, turn on your flashlight. Turn on your flashlight. How many of you like heard the song, This Little Light of Mine? Let's sing it, one, two, three. I'm not singing. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Come on, where's the worship team? <laughs> okay, that's good enough. Okay, that's good enough. I'm sorry. I sing that song with my three-year-old. He loves that song. It's a great song for kids. It is garbage. I'm serious. It's garbage in the sense that your light is little. We're convincing our kids and ourselves that your light is little. I hate this song. Because your light is the light of the world. You're like, wow, Jake, you're coming out of the gate. You bet. We are coming out of the gate. The light of the world, Jesus, the power that he has, is literally inside you, Anya. Like the light that created the universe is in you, Aiden. He's in you, Bryce. He's in you, Anna. He's in all the light of the world, but we sing, you know, we sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. As if our light is weaker than the darkness that you experience. You have classmates, you have professors, you have bosses and coworkers and cultures and family that all have dark auras and they have dark theology or they might be atheists and they're intimidating towards us because we have this belief and we can't speak up because we don't want to be considered hateful and we have this little light that we're just going to be nice and this niceness and kindness is going to be the light that changes the world. No, it's not. The light of the gospel of Jesus Christ expressed and fully lived out by willing vessels is the light of the world. I thought I was going to get some more amens, but I'm, I'm just, I'm going, like, you guys, you are the light of the world. It says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How many of you ever felt pressured to evangelize? By me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. Listen, I am sorry. I, in my years of pastoring, I have pressured people into sharing the gospel out of the flesh. I, I recognize that now. I believe it's, it's the righteous thing to, is to spur you to live out your faith publicly and unapologetically and with an unashamed fearlessness, but not in your own power, not in your extrovertedness, because all the introverts in the room are like, you want me to go talk to someone? They're like, it ain't happening. Amen, yeah, Amen. But what I can say is, although I'm not giving a prescription, God himself, the light of the world that's in you, will lead you to do some things in his power to expand his kingdom. 
And although you may be an introvert, although you may not be good with words, although we may not be experienced Christians, there is no excuse for disobedience to God. None. Anyway, let's keep moving. I'm not tonight trying to pressure you at all. Everyone say, Jake, you're not pressuring me. Okay, I might, it might be convicting, but there is a difference. Pressure and conviction are, can seem similar, but they're different. Pressure comes from me wanting you to do things so that you and us, that we look good. Conviction is, is from God to get you to obey the scriptures. Okay? And it is empowered by God. And it is not, does not look the same for every single person. So it may be convicting. I want to draw not on your performance or your extrovertedness or any of your gift sets in your flesh. I'm not drawing on your ability to argue apologetics. Tonight I want to draw on the deep wells of God's heart that are inside of you because you are a home of God. 1 Corinthians 6, Matthew 28, and Romans 8 all speak of the human that is surrendered to Jesus as a home for the Spirit of God. And so within that, there are deep wells that many of us haven't tapped fully into yet that are going to draw, like God is going to draw into these deep wells to, to, to nudge us to be more passionate and obedient to God when it comes to sharing our faith publicly with our friends, co-workers, family, and ultimately just our world. So let's draw on that deep well of the Spirit of God inside of you, not in your flesh, not in your ability, not in your fear, not in your past experiences, not in any of these things. Listen, I know, I've talked to many of the young adults in this room, and I was the biggest proponent for evangelism, and some of the young adults had bad experiences under my leadership. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, but don't let your bad experiences stop you from obeying the scriptures. Don't obey me, obey God. And do it in a way that is honoring to God and that gets you out of your comfort zone. I have no interest in playing church. I have no interest in gathering to gather. I, I, we are literally, like as I look at our world, the young adult world, Gen Z, whatever we want to call it, as I look at our world, we are losing at a macro scale, our generation to witchcraft, atheism, spirituality, crystals, rationalism, and politics. And, and listen, we have the light. If we get caught up in those things, our light gets dim. But if we focus, and if we surrender, and like the song talks about, if we'll be a willing vessel, the light of the world will shine through, and we'll see God's kingdom expand. So tonight, we do not want to hunker down and keep to our faith to ourselves. It, it, it is time. Everyone say, it's time. Like, it, it, it is time. It is the time. Like, playing church, we're done with that time. Once a week Christianity, 
It's kind of done. It's like now is the time for us to yield ourselves to God for his purpose, his glory, for his kingdom. That may look different for different people. Some of them, it's, some people it's evangelism and missions. Other people it's literally nursing. Some people it's accounting. Some people it's lawn maintenance. Some people it's being a mechanic. Some, it doesn't matter what you do for your vocation. What matters is we have a willing heart to obey and be a light in every place we find ourselves. Matthew 9 says this, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into harvest. Most of us, when we hear this passage, we hear like, yeah, Jesus is praying for more pastors. He's not praying for more pastors. He's not praying for more people to be called into the ministry. He's praying for more mechanics, nurses, teachers, daycare workers, He's praying for more accountants, more engineers. He's praying for more college students. He's praying for laborers. Ordinary, everyday Christians who have seen Jesus, been saved by Jesus, and who are unashamed with the, with the God who saved them. That's what he's praying for. That is literally what Jesus is praying. Laborers, people who will work for God. And our Christian culture or our culture thinks that when you work for a church, that's when you work for God. There are many people who work in a church who work for themselves. There are many people who work on staff at a church or a ministry and they do not work for God. Because God does not work by titles, he works by faith. And so it's not a matter of what we do, it's a matter of whom we do it unto. He's calling for laborers. Let me just pray right now. Jesus' prayer, close your eyes. God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Send forth your laborers into the marketplace onto college campuses, God. God, send forth Christians who are unashamed. God, open our eyes to see the beauty of your goodness, of your love, and of your kingdom. God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that we would get eyes off of ourselves and that we would consecrate our lives to the growing of your kingdom in whatever vocation, job, or place we find ourselves in. God, send your laborers from this place. God, we, may we be a church and a ministry that sends ambassadors at, all across Grand Rapids. In Holland. God, send your laborers in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, you guys, there's no more time to waste. Some of you are like, he's already done. I ain't done yet. Don't worry. <laughs> Y'all have been here for a while. Like, yeah, he's not, he's not done. He's not done. 
There's no more time to waste. It's time to proclaim the gospel outside the church walls. You guys, Jesus performed a lot of miracles. The last, book, uh, the last verse in the book of John states that there isn't a book in the world that, can, that could contain the list of miracles that Jesus performed while he was in his three and a half years of ministry. That means when Jesus was on planet earth, he did more miracles and did more things for the kingdom than a book could contain. It was so huge. There are 34 documented miracles in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Out of the 34, 32 are done outside of the synagogue. So the synagogue would have been, would have been um, thought of as the, the place where God dwells. It would have been thought of as, as the, the holy place. In our culture, it would be like the church. And what Jesus did when he showed up is he said, I am going to disrupt things. The worldview and the perspective in which people think I exist is not in the synagogue. It is everywhere. He says it this way. He says, he says that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. God's power to perform miracles, God's power to save sinners, God's ability to deliver from demons, God's ability to save people from depression. God, God's power is available everywhere. And it is accessible by anyone through faith. This disrupted all the power structures. All the religious leaders were like, yo, no, no, Jesus, you can't do it. We got the market. We got this, Jesus. We know the scriptures. But Jesus says, you know, you think you know the scriptures, but it's the scriptures that point to me. And so what we find is that Jesus came to show that Christianity or the kingdom of God is everywhere and for anyone. Jesus taught on hilltops, at wells, and in homes. Paul preached in prisons and homes, on boats, and on islands. There was not a place that could contain the kingdom of God. Jesus ascends on the Mount of Transfiguration, and the disciples that were with him saw Jesus ascend into his glorified body. He's literally levitating, and he's there, and they see him. They fall to the ground, and they can't even look up because the glory of God is being revealed. Their eyes are seeing into the spiritual realm. And what do Peter and Paul say? Not Paul, sorry. What do Peter, James, and John say? They say, shall we build you a building? Should we build a temple here? And Jesus is like, yo, you guys don't get it. I'm not coming for a building. I'm not coming so I can be contained in four walls and a roof and a floor. I'm coming so that I can be accessed at wells and strip clubs and college campuses. I'm coming so that anyone, the people at the coffee shop, the people at your restaurant, I'm coming so that your brother who's addicted to drugs, I'm coming to your, for, the, for the atheist sister that won't step place in a church, I'm coming so that when you go home that you can bring me with you, proclaim the gospel, and that people might be saved. He did not come to build these four walls. These four walls and roof was built so that you could come to to be inspired, equipped to go into the world. I'm, get, I'm just getting a read on you, okay? I'm just like figuring out where I need to go next. <laughs> this is what it says in John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of, a son, uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God came, Jesus came to dwell among us. 
Like Jesus literally came from heaven to be born in a nasty, dirty stable so that he could relate to humanity so that he could save us from our sin. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners. He, he let a prostitute wash his feet with her hair and pour out perfume on his feet. He related to people whom on the surface, you know like some people say Christians are like holier than thou. Well, Jesus was holier than thou. And yet, he was able to connect with a world that was full of sin. And he treated them as image bearers of God, not empowering their sin, but enabling them to respond to himself for salvation. He came to us. Who are we when he came to us that we would build a building and fill our, our cheeks in the seats and sit there and that we wouldn't go to them? Who are we to say, God, well, God, we'll build the building. You bring them in. God's like, that is not what I showed you. I showed you humility by taking the form of a servant and coming to dwell among you. Didn't I show you how to live? That, that you, as a mature Christian, should not sit in the church, but that you should go so that all might see God through your life. Remember, you are the light of the world. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if we're new Christians or if we are struggling with a temptation such as lust, sex before marriage, or drunkenness, that we should go into settings that are compromising to our, our hearts and our lives before God. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying is, is that we as Christians must be willing to take our faith public and be unashamed. Does this make sense? I don't want anyone to have an excuse to go out and go to the bar and preach the gospel and fall into temptation and get drunk. That's not the point. The point is we must be willing to go where God leads us to go and say the things that God leads us to say. There's no more time to waste. It is time to break outside these walls and to be unashamed with our faith. It is time. It will be uncomfortable. People will not like us for it. People will call us names. And guess what? If you, re if you read the New Testament, the Matthew 5 talks about it. Every epistle talks about it. That when we, <laughs> that people will not like us. It says, blessed are you when people persecute you and say kinds, all kinds of evil against you. For such they did to the prophets who were before you. Jesus, we are, we are going to be criticized for our faith. And I, I want to show us really two ways to move beyond the walls of the church. And, and they're foundational. And there's other things that we even talk about in our podcast on YouTube and, and on all the podcast platforms. We talk about practical ways to, to evangelize. But this is more about the heart. So if you want more practicals to grow in it, we have some resources on our podcast. We release an episode every two weeks. But... This is more about the heart. The first way is to love God. Some of you are like, Psh. oh my gosh. Matthew 22 says this, it's the greatest commandment. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here's my concern, is that in our evangelism efforts, in our 
culture in the, in the generation that we are in right now, our effort has flipped the two. Our culture is more, our Christian culture of young people and young adults are more likely to love people before they love God. They love to show compassion, to fight for social justice. They love to go and care for the people that are needy, but they refuse to submit to God. And they call it evangelism and loving people. If you don't love God first, you will do nothing to love other people. If you don't love God first, you cannot love people. Because all of your love will be self-centered. All of your love will be for yourself. All of your love will be all for your own glory. The only way to avoid the self-centered nature of love and evangelism towards others is to first love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when a lot of us, some of us have heard this verse and it's white noise. I'm telling you, slow down. Love God with all of your heart. Not easy. Love God with all of your mind. Love God with all of your soul. Love God with everything you have. If we want to be loving to our world and proclaim the gospel unashamedly, we have to love God privately. I'm not trying to persuade us to share the good news of Jesus. That is not my job. My assignment is to compel you to love God with everything you have. Do not love God with the scraps. Do not love God with good intentions. Do not love God with your worship set list on your phone. Do not love God with your Instagram bio. Do not love God with your Instagram stories. I'm saying to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. It is not to be kind. It is, not, it is not to love yourself. Listen, God loves you with an, ending, with an unending love. We get that message. We sing reckless love, all the songs about how God loves us. I'm concerned that there is a generation of people who receive all the love of God, but they never reciprocate it back to their heavenly Father with obedience, sincerity, or sacrifice. And I'm saying, guys, if you want to make it through your generation, if you want to influence your generation, if you want to be anything in God's eyes, if you want to be anything in God's eyes, he does not care about your performance or your evangelism. All that those things will flow out of us, having a broken heart that says, God, I love you with word and deed. I, not perfectly and without sin or imperfection, but I love you with the direction of my life. And I will love you not to prove my salvation or earn my salvation, but my life will show the trajectory of my heart. What does it mean to love God with your heart? It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you can't be depressed or have anxiety. It doesn't mean that you have to come from a Christian home. To love God with your heart is to realize that you are lost, a lost sheep without a shepherd, that you are, you are, you are blind and cannot see, and that God is your only solution, and that you are going to put all the chips into the middle of the table and say, I don't care what culture says. I don't care what my professor says. I don't care what anyone else says. I'm putting all my chips on that man, Jesus, who died for me, who, who died for me and rose again and has bore witness to my spirit of his reality. 
love God. If, if we want to reach our generation, if we want the message of the gospel to break outside of these walls in your life, step one, love God. I'm looking for something more, Jake. Listen, there is nothing more. Everything flows out of this. Everything. Your messaging, your confidence, how to answer questions that people have, that, that the skeptics have, apologize. everything flows out of love God. Because God will direct you to the resources you need in order to reach the people in your life. But what God cannot have is for you to be afraid of people. He cannot have, he cannot, he cannot relate to people. He can relate to, how do I say this? That's too harsh. I don't want to say a cannot statement. <laughs> our fear hinders our relationship with God. We cannot, this is what Paul says in Galatians 1. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You guys, I read this a, a few months ago. This rocked my world. It, it hit me so hard. Like, it hit me so hard. Like, if I, if I, I would not be a servant of Christ if I were still trying to please people. If you love God and set your life, your routines, your schedule, your sacrifice, your money, your relationship, if you seek God and seek to love him, the fear of people pleasing, the fear of controversy or conflict in your family, the fear of all of those things, it will be eliminated. Because perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. See, we're so afraid of being punished by people. We're afraid of like saying something wrong and then, and then having controversy in our Instagram. We're afraid of posting something that's going to offend someone. We're afraid of saying something to a family member and them getting offended. And it's like, listen, perfect love, receiving love from God, giving love and our love and adoration to him, it casts it all out. I don't know how it does it, but it does. Love God. Second thing, second way to break outside the walls. Live out our new identity. Specifically this aspect of our identity in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. <laughs> um, I just did that for all the people on the camping trip. Who's that? Who, never mind, sorry, inside joke. See, we love the part about this, right? We love this part. We're ambassadors. Like, listen, you're an ambassador of God as a Christian. It means everywhere you go, you bring the kingdom, you have access to everything that God has. God is like, he put all his chips in on us. He's like, how am I going to get this message out? I know, I'm going to give the message to a bunch of imperfect people. It's like, God, not a good idea. Send angels. Do something else. Don't send these yahoos out there. 
These guys, are, they, they sin, they fall short, they, they do it for themselves, they, they, they're going to lose it, they, they, they compromise, they, they follow false idols, they, do, they say one thing, do another. Have you seen what they're doing when no one's looking, God? Don't trust them. And God's like, that's my plan. Burn the boats, that's the only plan I got, is the message of the gospel in the lips of people who are broken. And that's why he loves it. It's because your broken life is the perfect vessel for God to point to a perfect Savior. Your imperfect lips are the perfect vessel to say, imperfect people welcome. I'm the worst of them all. I'm no better than you. Well, Christians, they think they're holier than thou. No, I'm not. You may understand that, but me, I'm the worst. I deserve hell. You should see what runs through my head, and I have no idea why God forgives me, but he does, and it draws me to him and sanctifies my life. I don't understand it, and people go, what is wrong with you? And I say, exactly. I've been found by him. I've seen my sin, but then I saw him, and my life's changed. I can't hold this back. I'm not ashamed. You can call me crazy, but I've seen his face. No way, my contact just fell out. Are you kidding me? I was just talking to Britt about that. Oh, no, I can't see. I have terrible eyes. Oh, my gosh. I was preaching, too. <laughs> I literally can't see any of you right now. This is so funny. Maybe that's my, the Lord telling me, just stop, Jake. That was good. Just be done. <laughs> oh. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Why did that happen at that point? That is so crazy. I hear some whispering. I don't know where it's coming from. Is it the contact? I know it is, but it's like, what do you want me to do? Put it in my eye right now? Like, in front of all of you? Dirty? On the floor? You obviously don't wear contacts. <laughs> that hurts so bad to put water in your contact. Okay, I'm just going to go without it. Forget about it. Everyone just like, poof, forget about that. We're going forward. You are the perfect vessel to share the gospel. Not perfect because you're sinless and you're an extrovert and you're persuasive. You're perfect because you're broken. The lies surround evangelism and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ publicly is that you have to be an extrovert, you have to be educated, you have to speak well, and you have to be an experienced Christian. All of them are lies. Our hope in the advancement of the God's kingdom in your generation, the hope that you place in the salvation of your friends, in the salvation of your, of your classmates, in the salvation of people in your generation, cannot be placed on Justin Bieber, Kanye, or Maverick City Music, or celebrities being saved. God's plan is not, oh, let's get a bunch of celebrities saved. That is not his plan. If it happens, praise God. They have a long road ahead because it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Pray for them. Do not look to them for spiritual advice. God's vessel is not celebrities, not presidents, 
not famous people. His plan is ordinary people. Do not wait for Justin Bieber to go on his next concert and share the gospel. Do not wait for it. Do not wait for America to become a Christian nation again. The way that America becomes a Christian nation, that's not even our goal. But the way that that happens, more people become Christian, is you and me. People being confronted with their sin and being confronted with their Savior. In the last part of this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here's my next point. Romans 1.16 talks about being unashamed. We must be willing to say it. There's this, there's this saying, and I know I understand the saying, but it's not great, in my opinion. It says, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. What it's saying is, live the gospel. Be kind, be generous. And I agree with that. If necessary, use words. And listen, faith, Romans 10, 17. Saving faith, meaning the faith that it takes for someone to be born again, comes from hearing and hearing the word of God or the word about Jesus. The only way people get saved is if they hear the gospel, which means that the only way for people to be born again is for you to open that brokenly beautiful mouth of yours and to be bold enough, not in your own strength, Love God, he'll give you the boldness to be bold enough to tell your friend, your family member, be reconciled to God. You might say it a different way. The only way is if we open our beautifully broken mouths and point them to our Savior, Jesus. It says this in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for, uh, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Listen, the gospel has the power. You don't need to be special. You don't need to have a degree. You don't need to have anything. Literally, God is just saying like, I'm just looking for some willing vessels. I'm just looking for some people who have some childlike faith. I'm looking for some people who don't love their own lives and their own reputation. That's all I'm looking for. And I'll use anyone or anything. Let's open our mouths, guys. The gospel, it says this in Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Your, the gospel in your mouth is or has the potential to bring about saving faith for other people. You don't save them, but when you speak it using your testimony, using conviction, using faith in the power of the message of the gospel, it can do something in someone's heart that only the gospel can do. It does more than kindness, a prophetic word. It does more than generosity. It does more than all of those things. The generosity and prophetic words and words of knowledge and all the kindness that we give, they can be things that stir up saving faith, but until we take it to the step of proclaiming the gospel, we haven't done the full job of evangelism. We have to go there. You guys, the devil is afraid of us. We are a sleeping army, giants that are slumbering. We are an army that have tape on our mouths and, and tape around, the, around our hands behind our back. 
and we're waiting for someone else to do it, and God's saying, listen, I am with you. Go and make disciples of all nations. Let's take the mindset of Isaiah that says, here am I, Lord, send me. Listen, you are an ambassador. You've been blessed in the spiritual realm with every spiritual blessing. You have everything that you need. You don't need... (laughs) Listen, we have sin that we still deal with and that can stop us from sharing. But listen, like you start sharing and loving God and doing it and moving forward. Listen, God will clean you up. Don't wait till you're perfect to start sharing the gospel. Don't wait till you've gone through a course of four ways to share the gospel. Just literally pray to God. Ask him to break his heart, break your heart for what breaks his and say, God, I'm willing to look like a fool. I'm willing, God. Give me the words. I'm willing. Listen, I say this not because I want you to go out and pray for the sick. And that's, if you do that, great. I'm just saying go to God and say, God, I want to be an ambassador, not in name only, but in my life. Like, I don't, I don't want to get to heaven one day and there to be a name tag that says, Ambassador Jake, and it laying there. And, and, and I get there, and he gets like, Jake, this was who you were, but you didn't live it. The, the name badge, that title, it was yours. It had your name on it, Ambassador. But you never claimed it. You never took it to heart. Let's not leave those truths and those gifts and those uh, labels of identity that God's given us on the table. I think this is where I want to end. Recently, the Lord has been stirring my heart for the lost, but specifically on my street. I live on a street called Russell Drive. So my prayer for the last six months it's actually probably been more like a year, has been, I go through the Lord's Prayer. I say, our Father in heaven, heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On Russell Drive, as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Ever since I've had that prayer, literally the opportunities that I have are like wild. Like, I'm not going to go into detail because, who knows, they might hear this, but one of my neighbors is a Hindu. And this neighbor is in my backyard. Mike was over. It was in the back, my mentor. And she came over and we prayed for her. And it was just like, she was like, holy moly. We shared the gospel with her. She's like, I need, to, I need to think about this. And my other neighbor, just this week, comes to me. And we had, an ex- ex- we had a s- situation. We were praying for something and he came to me and told me a report that the thing that we prayed for was answered. And he doesn't believe in God. But he found me and was like, Jake, the prayer you prayed come to pass. And I'm just like, dude, it's because God is after your life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's just like, I'm not sharing that to say I'm some super Christian. I'm literally just someone who says, on Russell Drive, as it is in heaven. And then I'm willing to go and, and just have a conversation with them. You guys, I'm... I am afraid to go and talk to people about God in my flesh. I get nervous. When after I share, I'm like, I should have said this, I should have said that. And then I go to the Lord and I'm like, God, what am I doing? Like, you're just, you're the one who saves. 
all God is like, literally what the Lord is teaching me is just like, Jake, you're just willing. You're just willing. And I'm just challenging us not to go out and to be Todd White or to be any of these other guys or gals that Heidi Baker that you might look up to who are evangelists, but to go to God and to love him faithfully and to start living out our identity as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, you guys, let me pray for you. You're so good, God. God, you're so good. You saved a group of misfits like this. You save us from our sin. God, you give us a brand new life. And you secure for us eternity in heaven. God, that is a heavy load. When we consider that the the eternal destination of our world is in the balance. God, give us your heart. Send laborers. If you're in this room and God has been stirring in your heart that you need to get right with God tonight, that you need to position your life to follow Jesus and you haven't done that, only God can save us from our sin. And it is when we recognize that need and we express our faith in the sufficient work of Christ on the cross and in his resurrection, the Bible describes it as we are born again. We are given a new life and we are secured eternity in heaven. If you need to do that tonight, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. Raising your hand, there's nothing special in it other than it's identifying, saying, God, it's me. You're working in my life, and I want to give you my life from this day forward. If that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, praise God. I see that hand. You can put your hands down. Everyone, we're going to stand up and close with this. Stand up, and, Everyone, stand up. We're going to close in prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Religion can't save me. My friends can't save me. I can't save me. The only person who can forgive me and save me is Jesus Christ. I declare that today he is my Lord and he is my Savior. This broken life that I have, I'll offer it to you. Would you help me in the days and weeks ahead to learn to love you faithfully? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Amen. Give it up for those people.